Talk Description to Me with Christine Malik and J.J. Hunt. Hi, I'm Christine Malik. And I'm J.J. Hunt. This is Talk Description to Me, where the visuals of current events and the world around us get hashed out in description-rich conversations. We're in my backyard, and uh, the short version of why that is is because... Uh, a little while ago, JJ said, are you watching Lower Decks? And I said, no. And he said, you should be. And so I started and I texted with some questions. And now we're sitting in the backyard because it's late summer and it's beautiful late summer weather. And welcome to my backyard, JJ. <laughs> <laughs> nice to be back in the backyard. So thank you for nudging me to watch Lower Decks because I tried it once and I found it was so spacey and so fast yeah. that it was too much for me and but um having spent time with it with the audio description um it's it's so fast-paced it's unbelievable so i know i'm missing a ton because there's lots of dialogue so um, so so i'm curious first of all like what do you what do you feel you're getting because i i had the same the the same question when i first said like are you are you watching it are you catching this because i wondered about it knowing that you're a trek fan when i first started watching i'm like i don't know how you would catch how would you keep up because the pace is way too fast for a describer to be getting a lot of that in so what do you like what are you feeling confident in what are you getting what are you knowing about the show i'm i'm getting all the plot points for sure yeah um i'm getting the names right which is good because that's one of the things description does is it 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 knows who the characters are so you have yeah. you, it helps me to learn the voices um and um so I'm, you know, I'm getting that it's animated. I'm getting that it's really fast-paced, um, but there's sometimes sonifications, little sound effects of things where I'm, I'm like, I know I'm missing something there, but there just really is not, is not time. So that the plot to me is is okay. Like I'm following it, no problem at all. Yeah. But and I know I know for sure there's some sight gags that must be very Trekkie related because even in the plots there's these things where if you weren't watching all the Trek franchises you wouldn't maybe get the joke it wouldn't be as funny so but it's also true that I don't know what I'm missing like I don't know what I don't know yeah I guess that's true because there's so little time do you have a sense is like is has there ever been in any episode or in any other context like do you know the characters do you have a sense of what they look like or what the ship looks like like does any of that is there time ever for any of that no, it's not clear. Like Rutherford, I know he's part cyborg, but there's just no time to explain what that looks like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Tandy is Orion, so she's green, and maybe that gets mentioned occasionally. But maybe she's really gorgeous because Orion ladies are supposed to be really gorgeous. So yeah. there's a whole I know, there's whole layers that that are 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 not there. Well, one example of not knowing what you don't know is I'm on season two I think of Lower Decks and I just kind of figured out that the doctor is a cat being and I figured that out because there's an episode where at the end the, the doctor has been wanting a box with a thing in it and it turns out what the cat doctor wants yeah. is the box and, and at the end she curls up in it she goes ah 
you know? And, yeah, exactly. And there's these more cat effect, sound effects in that episode than there had ever been before. So, <laughs> you know, there was no time to describe the aliens. I mean, all of the aliens, the deep cut, that's one of my favorite things about the, about the show is watching, is to see how they... Um, convey characters from all eras too, like characters that were originally designed with 1960s, uh, you know, the, the prosthetics and makeup, 80s, 90s, 2000s. How all of those different alien species are translated uh, into this animation style, which is itself kind of interesting. I, I like seeing how they do that. So, I mean. What are the aliens that do shock Janara, Tanagra, or whatever? Those were so great. Thank you for bringing out Tamarians or something. That episode. Oh yeah, my it's gosh. a Tamarian, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. His eyes open. They speak. Yes, yeah, his eyes open wide. That, that's right. right. They, but uh, the, tra- the universal translator works, but sometimes it doesn't, and he starts speaking in metaphor. Oh, so he's, he's on the show, and it's a. So he's a. Let's see. Brown skin, like a, it's like a really. Um, kind of a warm golden brown skin tone um, with these ridges three ridges that go back from the brow over the head and they are they, they look a little bit like snakes like they're thick um, like thick braids of skin and they've got dark brown dots on them um, nose is like uh, like a bit of a pug nose with two um, long vertical nostrils um, and chubby. He's a chubby guy with, oh. a, with a double chin. Um, and often he wears a sash, like Worf wore mm. a sash, and he's got a dagger in his in his sash. And he's always got a smile. He's a very happy character. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. always got a smile on his face. And, uh, yeah. Does he look like that species in TNG? Because that's a reference to an episode in season five of TNG. See what a geek I am? Um, yeah, you even was... know the, uh, like, the season. That's pretty good. Oh, can I remember the episode title? I think it's called Darmok. Children anyway. of Tama. Yeah, so it's a really good, uh, a really good representation of that character. The, the character's skin tone is, it's more nuanced in in the in the in the original. The makeup okay. is more mottled, um, and it's not as clear. The like the brow ridges are a little. Um, or the, the, the head ridges, I guess they go back from the brow over to the back, over the back of the head, over the bald head. And in the original, um, they, they, yeah, they're a little sharper. Looks like those ridges are, but they again, the the, the original Daphon, I believe, was the character's name, has a sash, kind of like uh, uh, like that wharf sash. Okay. And so it's a very good um, uh, representation of that character. And then it's, but you also bring in the style of the animation, the character design that all of the characters have. So the Lower Decks characters all have a very distinctive um, like facial structure, right? They've all got these really big round eyes. That's part of the character design. They tend to have uh, narrow hips, um, you know, like V-shaped, classic cartoon V-shaped bodies, wide shoulders, narrow hips, um, uh, and uh, yeah, uh, flat, two-dimensional character designs. This is kind of interesting. The, uh, uh, the characters are fairly flat. There's not a lot of um, shadow or three-dimensionality to the characters, but the rest of the world is really 
quite three-dimensional. I think they call oh. that animation style two and a half, 2.5D. Oh. Um, oh. They do different visual tricks within the ship or especially when there are battle scenes or you're seeing the ship from outside and there are different planets. That's a very 3D world, but the characters themselves are, are, are quite a bit flatter. And again, these big round eyes, it's a little bit like, a little bit Simpsons-y. Right, right, they've got right. these big eyes like the Simpsons characters. The pacing is very Simpsonsy too. Is the the movement of the characters, the fast, like yeah, is that reminiscent of the Simpsons. Yeah, too? I mean they they certainly do move. Uh, they move quickly from place to place, and lots of tiny gestures. Oh. Like it's a very it's a very cartoony thing to be um, specific with gestures because every gesture that a, an animated character makes someone's got to draw. That right, takes time right, and energy. Right? Right, I think we right. talked about this in the, yes. in the old Flintstones, right? Yeah. So only the arm will move, but the rest of the body stays still, right. or the face won't move, right. just the mouth will move. Like, there's a lot of that stuff. Yeah. And so, especially with a character, characters like um, uh, Boimler, for example, who is, like, always flailing limbs. Like, there's lots of, like, oh. kind of Kermit-like limbs, like, uh, yeah. Kermit flaps his arms over his head. There's a lot of that. Um, a lot of like hands, you know, he screeches and screams and mm-hmm. runs really quickly. There are bursts of movement with his body in gestures, elbows pull up, wrists get, you know, get bent, fingers get, you know, kind of like witch hands and things like that. There's lots of these quick flash mm. um, movements. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then and then the scene, you know, carries on. Right, uh, and right. There's lots of that bursts of energy, bursts of action. How do the visual effects compare, like when they're firing phasers or photon torpedoes or something? So, again, the speed is—it's very quick. You can get you can get an incredible action sequence in in a very short period of time in animation, right? Mm. And they do that a lot—a very fast bursts ah. of action. So, um, you know, if you compare it to something like a Jason Bourne movie, which is very fast, like for an action movie that is live action this is faster than that still the movement the fighting happens quickly when it comes to things like lasers it's very filmic like there is a there you get the sense that there is a camera moving that's flying especially when it's like ship to ship battles there are there's camera movement you follow ships as they swerve and, and and duck and move and it's not um yeah, it's it's not a static frame with things happening within it. Yeah, the camera follows and moves and ducks and weaves along mm. with the ships, and that's I think where the whatever they call the two and a half, two point five D animation comes in, because you really get a sense of the planet in the background being further away from the Packlid ship, which is further away than the Cerritos. All three of those things are on a different visual plane so that when one ship swoops around, the thing that's farthest away is moving more slowly than the thing that's closest to you, which is... That's tricky as a concept, but it is extremely effective at making you feel like what you're watching is real it's genuine oh. it is a, it is a it, it feels more um it feels more real much more realistic than if it was a like a static scene with things moving around within it 
I was talking with my partner about the Babylon 5 animated film that's out because we're both big fans and we wondered about how it will be when a, a series we're really familiar with and characters become animated and in the context of animation doesn't take into account the acoustics of space in a room when characters talk yeah. and so the spaces feel smaller and more confined like without seeing it and so when you watch on the Cerritos do do things look as close quarters and confined as they sound compared to say the Enterprise D or Voyager oh that's interesting I hadn't thought of that yeah I mean it looks it um it looks uh, I don't know phrases I mean it looks right to me I hadn't noticed anything about that so people speaking inside in quarters the 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 quality of the audio rings true to the 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 space that they have drawn them in when they the animated characters then moved into the real world in um <sighs> in a strange new worlds that's that's when i started getting that's when you could hear that, that you heard animated, it yeah you you, you can, know what i'm talking about totally you could hear, hear it that's yeah. the first time i noted anything like that and that was more about pace and tone um for me than it was about um acoustics you know what ah, i mean yeah. but the acoustics did change that's interesting. What, how did they change? Like, did it sounded hollow, or it like, just what, sounds what they, they, when it's real characters are meant to be real humans represented on screen. The the sound engineering is done, so it sounds like people in a room. But with animation, the sound quality just isn't. I'm not very good with the technical terms, but there's a, there's a difference. So this brings me to a big question that I had after I watched the crossover episode about a week later. That's how my quick my brain works. I thought wait a second how did those animated people end up being real people so when they cast lower decks or not cast the voices is it the same people that yes. visually that turn up and did they know they were going to do that <laughs> yeah. like well i mean often these days um when you're drawing when you're when you're animating and you have voices that are already attached often um, animators will incorporate elements of the the, the actor really oh yeah it's not always the case but it often is it, oh. especially these days because uh, um, I mean first of all there's there's better representation that way uh, mm. you know if, if you are a, a black woman who is recording it more likely than not, you're going to be a black woman, a young black woman who's is the character that you're playing, right? So there's that sure. element of it, um, but it also it does it, it it often makes the voice sound more real, more natural. Wow. It's more believable I never if it looks. Of that. And that obviously obviously can't always work. We are talking about you know aliens, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it wasn't a surprise to me not only that they chose the two characters they chose to cross to physically cross over mm -hmm. so the two characters that crossed over um, into uh, live animation were Boimler and Mariner and those two actors look most like their characters it wouldn't have worked as, oh. as well if Tendi had crossed over the, oh. the, the actor and the character 
I think are a little further apart. Whereas Jack Quaid can convincingly be Boimler in real life. <laughs> and Tawny Newsom can quite convincingly be Mariner in real life. And so when they crossed over, they had to do some things to them to, to make them like Jack Quaid's hair needed to be turned purple. Oh. Which is doesn't make as much sense in real life as it does in an animated oh. show. There's purple hair. It's like whatever that character's got purple hair. That's fine. A lot of black hair is, has a purple tint to it. Okay. When you draw it, that just is a convention. Oh. Um, and so he's got purple hair with this big swoop at the front. Oh, it's like a spiky, like a giant Tintin swoop at the front. They couldn't quite do that to scale. If if, <laughs> if they'd done that as a in live action, it just would have looked goofballs. But they did a little bit of it. They made it purple and they had a little, like a little spiky swoop at the front. And then um, Tawny Newsom, Beckett Mariner, you know, she she has a big. Often her hair is tied back in a in like a ponytail, uh-huh. a big poofy. Uh, uh, she's got corkscrew curls. Okay. Um, and uh, that that hairstyle could be. Um, could be replicated right, right, in, right. Uh, in live action. So those characters worked really well transferring from one to the other. But then it was the at the end of the episode, uh-huh. <laughs> the, the Strange New Worlds characters being done in the animated style. That was the other, the other uh-huh. trippy thing. So I, I'm curious, listening to that scene, at what point did you... you it was a full week later when you figured out or that they had... Well, it Gone. didn't even occur to me to wonder how the actors looked like the drawn characters. It didn't even cross my mind until about a week or two later, and all of a sudden, I was, hey, wait a second, how did they do that? <laughs> do and then I started to come up with some answers, but <laughs> like, oh, I never thought about that. So it's you true. knew that something had changed because of the audio quality and because of the the. the the line readings, like you could yes. hear it in there, yeah. in the performances. Yeah, yeah. And so what happened visually? Did the Strange New Worlds characters change their appearance at all? It, they're, they're cartoons. They are fully in lower deck. They just, it's sudden, it's one scene that is in lower deck style animation through and through, 100%. And so all the characters, they've got the great big bulging eyes um, <laughs> and the kind of flat 2D style. And again, most of the characters, they, they translate very, very well. Characters that have more extreme, uh, something extreme physically about them are easier to translate. So Spock, very clear, uh, right? Got the ears, got the brows, got the right. bowl cut bangs, uh, <laughs> right? That's really clear. Um Pike's Pike? got some hair style He's action, got right? some hair. Oh, my Can God. Can you just start with the beginning there? <laughs> so, Pike's hair, which they make fun of, uh, rightfully. Yeah. So, it's like it's, it's it deserves a bit of, uh, you know, teasing. Yeah. <laughs> so, he's got this silver gray hair um, that most people would just, like, slick back with a little tiny bit of a pompadour at the front. But not only does he have this hair slicked back with the little kind of poof at the front, but it's got a severe kind of side part. So it it doesn't swoop back all the way on his head. It's only like three quarters of his head does it (laughs) swoop back. And it's a high swoop. It's a big, glossy, uh, yeah. Crest? You mean like it's 
going up from his yeah head? it goes up from his forehead okay. and then swoops back oh. gelled down and it's oh. uh, it's very impressive so that hair translates very well he's he's quite clear and they they animate him with really wide strong shoulders yeah. um and then who else have we got chapel who's who has a uniform that she always wears oh. chapel is always in this like white jumpsuit with baby blue or like kind of powder blue stripes uh, one around the waist and down the arms so that's a uniform that's very clear she's got like I think it's platinum blonde hair like white blonde uh, hair kind of down to her chin very clear very that's an easy character to um, to animate and make clear and Mbenga same thing uh, my god uh, you ever hear the expression cheekbones that could cut glass <laughs> yeah, yeah. he's incredible cheekbones oh and a dark beard that comes right underneath, so his cheeks look really hollow and then filled in with a beard right under those cheekbones. So again, that animates really clearly. Um, the character that I thought didn't animate as clearly is number one, because she's just a, a just an attractive woman with long, dark hair. Um, she doesn't have an interesting quality or a distinctive hairstyle or anything of that nature. So she didn't, there, she wasn't as obvious. If you just saw her as a character out of context, you wouldn't have said, oh my God, I bet that's number one. Whereas you <laughs> right. definitely would know Spock is Spock. That's right. clear. Right. I'm curious about the actors um, in Strange New Worlds and to what extent they've tried to cast people who look like the actors in Star Trek, the original series, who were they meant to be. Yeah. Um, I'm mean, they've done a little bit, but I think they are. I think wisely they 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 go for vibe more than they go for um, just physical appearance. Oh yeah. Like the Kirk is an example. Kirk is in Strange New Worlds. James Kirk, um, not just the brother, but James T. Kirk, William Shatner's Kirk, is in Strange New Worlds. Very tall and thin that's not that's not the, the Kirk we know oh, at all really? not at all physically oh. he's quite different oh but he does have the swagger ah. the way he kind of moves it, the confidence with which he moves even more so than uh, um, a particular swing of the hips or you know it's not it's not about a f enacting uh, like reenacting a physicality it's more the attitude is conveyed oh. I'd say accurately. Spock, again, there, there's some of the, the uh, like the hair design, very clear. The eyebrow design, very clear, like straight pointed eyebrows, like straight eyebrow that points back toward the ear. And again, that distinctive bowl cut, that's very clear. But he doesn't look like Leonard Nimoy. Mm -hmm. He's just hunky. Like he's just oh. this beautiful man, uh -huh. um, but not particularly like Leonard Nimoy. He and does the the vocal part very uh, well. He's very he really nails yeah. the the style, the speaking style of yeah. Leonard Nimoy. Did you like his singing too? He had my him and Chapel <laughs> had the best voices in my opinion, the most interesting voices yes. I should say in yeah. that musical episode, which I wanted to hate but couldn't. It was just <laughs> unhateable. It was so it had such great messaging in it. <laughs> what about Uhura? Because I asked because. I've heard that Michelle Nichols was reputed to be the head-turningly beautiful. Yeah, it, totally. Um, 
Nichelle Nichols, the original Uhura, yes, absolutely, a beautiful woman. Uh, her hairstyle changed over the years. Um, I think it was almost, it was usually in the early days, certainly, I think, before they did the movies and the TV show, it was a wig. Um, black wig, short, uh, you know, kind of short, like twiggy-ish, uh, short black hair, um, dark skin tone, um, big eyes, lots of you know, eye makeup, and they often, you know, dressed her in this little red mini dress, which is not a costume we've seen on in Strange New Worlds that I can think of. Oh. Um, and then in Strange New Worlds, uh, Uhura is played by Celia Rose Gooding. Um, and she, she's just a, another, just a beautiful person. Uh, dark skin tone, short, uh, natural dark hair, so quite close cropped um, and natural. Big, full lips. Um, again, big eyes uh, and expressive eyebrows. Uh, impish little uh, button cheeks, like gets these kind of round cheeks. And um, God, what the pipes on her! She's a, a the, uh, oh, she really could belt it out. Oh yeah, she's a Broadway uh, singer as well, Broadway performer. Man, can she sing! And but I, I, I don't think. I, I think this is right. We have not seen this Uhura in that little mini skirt dress. I'm not sure that's something that they'll be uh, putting the character in. But she she looks young and she's beautiful, yeah. but um, no, not a look alike. They're not trying to make the hair the same. For example, like they are with Spock. Um, they're, they're, that doesn't seem to be uh, something that they're that they're concerned with. I know that the original Star Trek series had a reputation for doing that with female characters, that their outfits were kind of sexualized, and how is Strange New Worlds handling that? Yeah, I mean, there's... I mean, they're all beautiful. Is the, Well, yeah. That's the thing. It's like, Hollywood, right? That's right, and I think that's a little bit different. Like, it's not that uh, William Shatner, young William Shatner, wasn't good-looking. Sure he was, but... And so were some of the other characters, but not everyone was model gorgeous. Whereas everyone oh. <laughs> is model gorgeous uh, oh. on this show. Oh. Um, uh, but not as gendered. There are several characters and several actors who are non-binary. And, uh, and so it's not so much, you know, uh, beautiful women in miniskirts and hunky men in, you know, tight-fitting shirts with their pecs showing off. It's, it's, it's not like that. It's, um, it is more fluid, but they're all gorgeous. The, the uniforms are still form-fitting and hip-hugging, um, but I think the only person, if I'm remembering, the only person I've seen in the, um, in anything like that miniskirt is Carol Kane. <laughs> let, me get a, let me get a picture of her. I want to Please. make sure I got that right. So, Carol Kane, who's a she's a cracker uh, <laughs> she's she's short and she's got long kind of frizzy blonde hair and an exaggerated mouth like she's got this huge smile and uh, her her features seem to have changed her eyes are deeper set and her nose looks a lot uh, a, a lot more substantial at this age, at this age and stage uh, and it's a really expressive face, like just an actor who loves to use their face. And she wears that little mini dress, but with pants under it. So she's got like <laughs> black pants 
and then this what I think would be maybe the dress uniform or we've seen others in that as kind of more of a dress uniform but for most the kind of shirt that they wear uh, you know comes down to the to the waistline to the to the pant line or a little bit below and hers comes down further you know down over the bum and it's more like a more like a mini skirt with uh, yoga pants under it is really what it looks like <laughs> can we talk about the ships say the cerritos and uh the enterprise that's depicted in strange new worlds how are they different yeah okay so the cerritos um is the saucer section at the front um, and then and I'm going to get my, I'm not going to get all the terms right. I'm going to, you know, but I, I got a little bit of it. So you got the saucer section out front and then there, there are two, um, let's call them legs, two legs that come down from the saucer section kind of splayed a little bit and they lead to the nacelles. So the nacelles, which are long tube-like structures are one at the bottom of each of those legs and they go back so the saucer sections near the front the two legs come down to these nacelles which are like rounded skis say and they kind of go down and back and then there's a piece across that kind of links those two um those two nacelles so that's the basic shape of the um of the cerritos whereas the enterprise so the Enterprise has the saucer section, again, at the front. It's got one leg coming down to uh, a tube. And then there are two arms that come up from the back of that tube, and they spread apart. And then the, the nacelles, again, these tube-like nacelles, are kind of, they're on the same plane as the, uh, as the disc, as the saucer in the front, and they shoot back. So the Cerritos has the nacelles below and behind and the Enterprise has the nacelles back and on the same level. The Cerritos is definitely depicted as it's a California class strip but it's kind of the second string of, of Starfleet and so maybe is, third or maybe fourth. third or fourth. <laughs> and so is that conveyed in any of like the bridge design or the interior design of the ship? The, uh, I The way it's uh, it's shown to us is mostly the part of the ship we see. We see the lower decks, whereas we've never really seen the lower decks in any other ship before. So the interior looks just as nice. It looks just as swish, just as modern. Okay. Okay. Um, but we're seeing the like the the bunk. The, basically, the strange or the the lower decks crew. They live in a in a hallway, <laughs> like. <laughs> And they have these little like shh, shh, little pods that are like inset in the in the in the walls. They have a bunk in the walls. Okay. That's their each individual space. But it's otherwise in a long corridor. Right. We haven't seen that on any other ship before. Yeah. But the interior, like you know, the bridge, the, the bridge uh, looks pretty much the same. So the bridge of the Cerritos is set up actually quite a bit like the. Uh, the bridge of the Enterprise uh, uh, of from Next Generation, but without the long wooden curving, um, you know, wh whatever that was, like that arched desk that was Worf's security station behind the chairs. So this, uh, the lower decks has three chairs, the captain's chair flanked by two others, and then uh, 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 
uh, in front, closest to the uh, the screen or the main window, are the two pilot stations. So the uh, with the chair and like a, a desk um, in front where all the controls are, and then kind of behind the three seats, the captain's chairs and the two flanking, that's the security station. But it's uh, again, it's a little flatter. It's a little more rectangular, not as many kind of swooping wooden panels, which was a very, the swooping wooden panels was very much a next generation um, era. And then now in Strange New Worlds, it's uh, it's kind of funny what they have to do with Strange New Worlds, because they have to make it both <laughs> futuristic, because mm-hmm. it's for us now, today, yes. but it has to make sense as being before the Enterprise that we knew the original Kirk yeah. and Spock on, which yeah. is a, that's a challenge. Do they manage to do that somehow? They do, actually. They do. It's, uh, I mean, it is far more swish than the original, right? Mm. Like, it is, it is gorgeous, and there are uh, lots more lights, the screens especially, um, and the, you know, the main monitor. Put it up on the main monitor or whatever that has much more tech involved whereas before it was just like a, a, it was it looked like a, a, a giant tv screen with pretty low res <laughs> whereas now it's got like graphics on it and statistics and uh navigational information and you know whatever it's got all of that there are more kind of neon lights and things um there's more swish lighting on the the bridge now um but what they've kept is a few of the little things that uh, um, that people who saw the original would remember. So the captain's chair has is, has a really boxy sides. Um, it's like sitting in a tiny cubicle, which is kind of sweet, and it swivels. It's a swivel chair, but it's boxy. So that's something that people who uh, remember the visuals of the first one that's something they would connect with it has these railings around separating like so the the part of the the bridge dips down like a if you ever go to a house with a recessed living room Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's a little bit like that there's a recessed circle in the middle of the bridge um and then there's the you know the the space and the security and whatever they're on the outside edge and they're like two steps higher and there's there are railings sections of curved railings that keep you from one to the other which is a really weird design to have on a ship. A railing with a, like, that's a that's an easy thing to, to you know, trip over or, right. you know, <laughs> land on and wind yourself or something. But you can vault over it. Oh, no, it's that's really good reason. for that. Oh, it's great. For, and it's great for holding on to when you need to lurch from side to side to <laughs> oh, show that oh, the ship's being yeah, oh, attacked. Yeah. Um, and so, like, and the Spock has that little, I didn't even know what it was or is, but it's like this... Uh, it's a little box that comes up from the console, like a viewfinder. <laughs> then he like leans in and looks into this thing, and then looks up and says, yeah, "Captain, something, you know, whatever." <laughs> why? Why does he have a viewfinder? Why is he the only one that's got this little <laughs> toy that's attached? I don't know, but it's there. So people, those kinds of visuals. The so the overall layout is the same. Um, a few of those, uh, they're not really Easter eggs, but a few of those key design elements are there. But the style of it, I'd say in particular the lighting and the, um, and, and the, the tech, the, uh, uh, the, the screens, that's what's really, that's what's modern. 
that's what we what makes it look um, appropriate to our understanding of special effects and such. Yeah. So Rutherford, he's a cyborg. Yeah. It does he look it? Yeah. So uh, Rutherford is. Um, Okay, so just basic character. He's he's a bit of a boxer character. I think he's supposed to be a little bit heavier set, um, and he's got uh, like a medium dark skin tone, and he, so the, his cyborgness. He's he's is like his head. His head. His hair is shaved on one side, um, and he's got like a uh, a little computer panel over one eye that goes back over his ear. And um, uh, and then it's you know it's got like a little panel. So the, the, his c- cybernetics is the boxy screen over the eye curves back over the ear and then goes up over the sh- the, the the shaved head and then kind of tucks under his dark hair. And then on the other side of his head, he's he's got a couple of um, like uh, little shaved marks in his eyebrow. And at the side of his head, so it's like a like a like a vertical line on his eyebrow, and then a couple of horizontal lines shaved into the side of his head. Oh, that's his cybernetics. That's it's really it's 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 limited. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And um, Tandy, she's she's green, but is yep. she humanoid? She's humanoid. Yes, humanoid, total cutie, um, curvy, uh, small. She's a small. Um, character, small woman, yeah. um, green, dark green hair, light green skin, great big eyes with eyelashes, uh, dark green lips as if she's wearing like green lipstick, <laughs> um, and uh, and yeah, and quite and quite lean, quite quite thin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the, so I, I can't help it. I'm going back to the doctor. Does she have? Do you ever like she does surgery and things? Does she have claws? <laughs> yeah. No, she's she's a cat person, but she's got hands uh i mean she's got claws when she needs to have claws oh. so when there are moments when she's like real scratchy then the claws come out um but but she is mostly a humanoid she stands she's short so she's like shoulder height to to most everyone else she's an orange cat oh. um uh with uh yellow eyes and cats eyes have different pupils um they are like vertical slits more than round dots and so she's got these yellow eyes uh, with these vertical black slits, and uh, and yeah, and she's an orange cat with a tuft of hair uh, between her two ears, and kind of she looks jowly because that's where she's got tufts of hair coming down over her jowls. This is a different shape of head. <laughs> and, and she's on two legs. I yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's standing, walking around. She's okay. usually got like a like a lab coat. Oh. Like a. I think that's a Doctor Crusher lab coat. And in every episode of Lower Decks, there's some moment, some sequence where I want more description, but there's no time. And I wonder if we could look one up with just a 10 second. Hey, this is JJ back at my regular home microphone. So uh, Chris sent me a link to a Lower Decks episode um, with description and without. And basically the, the question is like, what's what's not there what is what 
is there not room for in the inline description? What visuals just uh, get left out um, in a case like that? And we're not doing this because we want to criticize or critique the inline, the existing inline description. It's great. It's it's <laughs> they're doing everything they possibly can in a show that is this fast paced. The question for us is, as description users, creators, and user creators, is like, what's not there? What what specifically gets um, lost in a show that moves this fast, that has in-ship scenes and space battles and action sequences and is constantly referencing other properties and yeah what's what gets left out so the the clip that chris sent for me was from episode 10 in season one i think this was the season finale so the scene starts with rutherford needing to upload something into his cybernetic brain. And so there's a little tiny moment when he takes a, a, the, um, the memory card and he, and he slots it into the side of his temple. It's just a tiny little moment, doesn't go described. And uh, it, it's it's a little tiny memory card. It really looks like the kind of memory card you would have on a digital camera. And it's kind of uh, glowing blue. And he just s- seamlessly slots that in uh, to a little tiny slot on the side of his temple, uh, goes right in there, uploads the information. And then Shaq says, okay, I got I to gotta get you over there. I, I, I He picks up Rutherford. And the way he picks him up is he actually throws him over his shoulder. It's a fireman's carry, a firefighter's carry, throws Rutherford over his shoulder and bursts into the hall. So it throws him over his shoulder, bursts into the hall, and it's a chaotic scene in the hallway. Um, the Packlids are attacking and um, Ransom and uh, Billups are both engaged in axe fights with the Packlids in the background. And this is a moment, I don't think Billups is actually credited in this episode. I don't think the voice actor is actually used in this episode. I might be wrong about that. But I think this is just a case where they're like, well, he's a, he's a character on the ship. If we don't have the actor playing him, it's absolutely free to just draw this character in the background. So in the background, Billups is having an axe fight with a Packlet as in, as is Ransom. And... um. And and so Shax, who has Rutherford over his shoulder, is backhanding and slugging Packlids one-handed while he's dashing down the, the corridor and they're, you know, whatever, flashing, you know, red alert lights. And I think there's probably some wires hanging down from the ceiling. At some point, there's like massive laser blast because the Packlids are still attacking. There's this massive laser blast that comes straight through the ceiling and blocks the, the corridor, blocks the pathway. So uh, Shax has to take, the, he turns a corner and he takes... Um, Rutherford into the cargo bay. They get into the cargo bay and 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 they find the shuttle is I think it's the Sequoia. And the Sequoia I imagine has been described in other moments uh, either in this episode or others, but it's a mishmash kind of ship. It's been pieced together with all sorts of other uh, bits of tech. It's got all sorts of stuff stuck onto it. It's actually got hand-painted elements to it. So the name uh, uh, is hand-painted onto the side. And there's this like zigzagging pattern across the front of the ship that makes it look like uh, like teeth, like sharp and jagged teeth. The shack's tosses Rutherford into the ship, and now they've got to get off uh, the Cerritos. And so they have to blast their way out. And the way Shax does it is pounds. He makes a fist and he pounds the control panel on the shuttlecraft and, and they 
blast out um, the lasers, you know, whatever, they shoot a hole in the side of the ship or the doors or whatever, and they blast out into space. And here we cut from that kind of classic 2D style animation that most of the interiors are in to the more closer to 3D, 2.5D style when it's ships in battle in space. Um, and, and so you get this crazy action sequence of the ship, the shuttle um, darting through debris, zipping past bits of debris. The Packard ship has claws. They're, they're these like claws on, um, on cables that act kind of like snakes, like with, with giant chomping snake heads trying to bite trying to snatch the shuttle out of the air and so these like snake like uh, mechanical heads are snapping at the shuttle as the shuttle dekes in and out at one point the shuttle is coming straight toward us um kind of you know darting around this uh all these obstacles and and uh, and the the danger of these you know snapping claws which really kind of look like the excavator diggers like a, the the head of a digger on a on a construction site excavator they they make it to the packlet ship and again they've got to burst their way through so they shoot and 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 jam the ship into the wall into the outer hull of the of the packlet ship and as they burst into the packlet ship they actually knock through a couple of packlets out of the way like the packlets were just standing against the wall and boom they get knocked out of the way which again no time to describe that so the packlets go flying um and then it is Shax who is first out of the shuttle and he dashes across the, the whatever room that they're in in the Packlid ship and he and he leaps right over this freestanding console and and gets right up to the door the access door to this this space and he and Shaq's like you know uh balls up his fists like a like a gorilla waiting to fight and stands at the door like almost huffing and puffing uh not only preparing to fight but eager to fight again not a lot of time for that moment um Rutherford behind him comes out of the shuttle and goes to this freestanding console and rips off a, a, a hatch and pulls out a cable because what he has to do is connect his cybernetic implant uh, at his temple to the ship. So he pulls a cable out from in the cybernetic, or pardon me, from in the uh, in this freestanding uh, console in the Packlid ship. And before he plugs in uh, the the cable into his cybernetics, he blows on it. <sighs> like blows the dust off of the cable, really tiny, tiny, tiny little moment, blows the dust off of it, and then sticks the cable into the side of his temple, actually into the same slot that that little uh, memory card went into before. Um, and then it starts downloading, downloading the um, virus from his cybernetic brain into the Packlid ship. And we've talked about this before. I think it was in our spy episode, um, where there's a big, uh, download bar that takes over the entire screen. So on the, on the Packlid console, there's a big screen and it says downloading in progress. And there's a green bar as the, as the, the virus slowly uploads or downloads or whatever. And it, uh, it's such a, such a conceit that, Yes, there are there are download and upload bars on computers, but they rarely take over the entire screen. In fact, this is so big that it's reflected in the. Um, uh, uh, so Rutherford has as part of his cybernetics, he's got a little screen over one eye, and so the green bar kind of washes across the screen on his one eye as it's uh, as it's uploading. Meanwhile, uh, Shax is uh, is is fighting with the packlids that have burst into the room. 
And it's bloody. He's got blood all over his uniform, uh, throwing punches and, you know, big action sequence there. And then Badgie pops up. Badgie, who I think has probably been described again in other sequences. This is the kind of triangular shaped, like shaped like the badge, the the Star Trek logo badge, that uh, communicator badge. Um, and he's uh, kind of translucent because he's a holographic character, a hologram, holosuite character. Uh, and uh, But he's got these kind of rubbery arms, uh, like a cartoon character, because he's a cartoon character. And he, uh, uh, so he's going to, he's going to interrupt and he's going to destroy the whole ship. He says, uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to blow up this ship and everyone on it. And so uh, Sax decides he's going to save uh, Rutherford. So he runs over and grabs uh, Rutherford and just as the 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 upload finishes he tears instead of just unplugging the uh, the the cable from the side of Rutherford's head he rips out his whole cybernetic implant which is connected like to his eye socket into his this his temple and so it's just a flash second i actually had to pause it to get the moment because there's this flash of gore as he as he tears the cybernetic implant off of the side of his head you can see some exposed brain and there's there's wires leading into holes in his skull but it's just a fraction of a second and you know with little zapping lights little tiny lightning bolts that gets uh, the the cybernetic implant gets thrown to the ground, um, and then Rutherford gets scooped up into Sax's arms. So instead of the fireman's carry this time, he cradles him in his arms again, just a, a, a little change in the moment there, and throws him in back into the shuttle, shuts the door, and then pushes the shuttle out of the ship. And he gets his shoulder right into it. Instead of just pushing with his with his hands, he gets his shoulder into it. Really leans in, pushes the the shuttle out of the ship as the shuttle goes out into space there's um the hull kind of seals itself up with a, a grid of energy so this would be like a force field so that you have this moment so you don't have uh there's no vacuum into space not everyone goes flying out of this hole this the ship seals itself up and the shuttle uh floats away as um badgie finally reaches the point where he's ready to blow up the ship but instead of badgie just like deviously waiting to blow up the ship it, he really seems like like he's got to like push through, bear down and push through. So he grits his teeth, bites his lip. And frankly, it looks like he's having a big poo. And that's what causes the Packlet ship to explode. So then as the, the that's kind of like the, that, the face of the, 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 this grunting face of uh, Badgie is one of the last things we see before tick, tick, boom, the Packlet ship explodes. All of that minute and a half two minutes long and like i say the 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 existing describers the inline description is great they do an admirable job of trying to get as much in and make all of that make sense so the logic is intact of that scene you can absolutely follow it between the existing description and the talent of the voice performers you can absolutely um get all of the necessary information to not only logically follow the scene but enjoy the scene but of course there are lots of little things missing along the way podcast is still mostly on hiatus pending funding, so if you know anyone in accessible journalism who'd be interested, the best way to get in touch with us is by email at talkdescriptiontome at gmail.com. On our Facebook page, 
which is titled Talk Description to Me, or on Mastodon, where we can be found at talkdescriptiontome at newsy.social. Music